job, Kai. Clear your throat just as Charleston starts the music. Perfect. Hey, everybody. I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is Friday today, the second day of June 2023. Yes, thank God it is Friday. And I'm Kimberly yes. Adams. Thank you for joining us for Economics on Tap, because surely after this week, we all need that drink. Uh, we've got no our YouTube live stream up and running. We do have drinks, although both of us going non-alcoholic today. The news fix, and then we're going to end with the round of half full and half empty. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Who's going first? You're going first? All right. Let's do, uh, uh, let's do drinks. You go first, since you've got a, you yes. have like a demonstration, right? Yes, because at your request, you said you wanted to see the fire of my drink smoker. So (laughs) first of all, I've got a, uh, what is it? It's like a cranberry hibiscus margarita that I made with one of those um, element shrubs that I have. And then I'm using this um, Mm -hmm. Jalisco uh, non-alcoholic tequila, which is actually quite tasty, and um, some mint simple syrup. And so the drink by itself is tasty because I've had this before, but you wanted to see the fire. So I've got this little wooden disc thing, and then Uh I take my little box of wood chips and put the little, oops, wood chips into the thingy. I'm not sure if this is showing up well. Anyway, put the wood chips into the little basket in the bottom, and then... That goes, have to leave the little vent hole open. And then the whole thing sits on top oh, of the drink. Oh, sits over the glass. All right. Yeah. And then you light it Oops. on fire? And then I light the wood chips on fire with this handy dandy blowtorch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what could possibly and go wrong? I don't know uh. if you can see it, but the smoke is like falling oh, yeah. down into the drink. Yeah. Oops, don't let it leak. Yeah. And so you just keep blowing fire until all the wood chips are gone. And then you close the lid and you let the smoke sit inside of the drink for a couple minutes. Wow. And then the drink gets all smoky. That's more pyrotechnic than I imagined it would be. Oh, really? What did you think I meant when I said there was fire and smoke? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think that was it. Oh, you're waiting for my drink to fully smoke. Uh, what are you having? So I'm having a cup of coffee because I'm going out tonight and I need to be awake. I'm using what my Arabic mug, coffee? which is awesome. I know I'm about to. I'm going to do a little show and tell. So okay, people on this podcast know that I am a beer snob. I'm also a little bit of a coffee snob, but I'm a different kind of coffee snob. I really like good coffee and I enjoy a good cup of coffee. And if it is presented to me with some, you know, you know, single source beans or whatever, blah, 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 I will definitely enjoy that. But whole milk only, by the way, no skim milk. Um, but also coffee is just totally utilitarian. And, and so what you need to know is that for a long time, when my kids were little and I have four children, we were going to Costco every 10 days, two weeks. And we were getting like four gallons of milk and six loaves of bread and, you know, stuff that you have with, with a growing family and, and this and that. And I started buying Costco coffee. Mm-hmm. And so my go-to coffee on a daily basis is Kirkland House Blend, uh, uh, custom roasted by Starbucks, I will point out, uh, mm-hmm. that gets the job done, you know. And we still buy that in, uh, let's see, 40-ounce, two-and-a-half-pound bags. Uh, and we get them like four at a time because we go through a lot of coffee in my house. 
Uh, and, and that's Do your what kids I drink. drink coffee as well? No, actually one does. Tate does. The oldest one does. And he's coming home in a week or two. And so coffee intake will increase. But it's myself and my wife and, and uh, in the house now drinking coffee. But, you know, I have a couple of cups in the morning. And then when she gets up later, I make her a fresh pot of coffee. And she has a cup. And then almost every afternoon I come home and I have a fresh pot of coffee. So we use a lot of coffee. My goodness. I yeah. one cup of coffee and I'm ruined for the day. Um, huh. <laughs> But um, people in the chat were asking if I have a fire extinguisher nearby. And actually, yes, it's it's going to be involved if I get up to get it while I'm on camera. But I do have one of those like sort of mini fire extinguishers just like right over there. So don't worry. I was not going to burn my house down. All right. Interesting. All right. So how does it taste, Kimberly? Mm. Well, I can definitely taste the smoke, but it's quite yeah. tasty. I like it a lot. Would definitely drink again. Uh, why don't you go first with the news? Okay, uh, let me scroll to see what I selected. Oh, yeah, so this one, man. So, uh, uh, <clears throat> Axios today, their uh, media reporter, Sarah Fisher, had this scoop, which I just, it upsets me for a whole lot of reasons, and we can talk about that if you want, and I appreciate the First Amendment issues here and the slippery slope mm -hmm. issues and all of that jazz. But YouTube is going to reverse its misinformation policy to allow U.S. election disinformation and denialism. Here's what Sarah says. In reversal of its integ election integrity policy, YouTube will leave up content that says fraud, errors, or glitches occurred in the 2020 presidential election and other U.S. elections the company confirmed to Axios on Friday. That is the wrong damn answer. Full stop. Full stop. As if, as if the AI misinformation disinformation wasn't going to yeah. be enough now this yeah and yep. this election is going to be about what people believe and we are not right. making it easy for folks at all it's um, it's yeah yeah that's that's a bad decision yeah that is a very the bad platform, decision. The platform, Sarah reports, will provide more details about its approach to the 2024 election in the months to come. One, one hopes that, that they will reconsider this. And, and my tangential news item, um, for those of you who are fans of the media, who watch CNN, who are interested in the media's role in this election, or uh, are just, you know, in the mood for a, a really good read... Um, Tim Alberta in The Atlantic today has an amazing profile of Chris Licht, the CEO of CNN. And it's just, it's jaw-dropping, truly. I, I love the headline inside the meltdown at CNN. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. It, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> it's like we've all really learned bad. nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And... Well, not all of us. Some of us are doing things differently this time around, but some of us are taking the full information that we have and still making decisions that are going to be so harmful, yeah. and that yeah. is not great. Totally. Okay. Anyway, that's hmm. me. What's you? What is me? So I am another story on Pride Month. Um, so... Pride Month has started. My uncle is getting his float ready for uh, to 
do the float nice. that he's going to do in the Pride Parade because that is his thing. And I saw this interesting piece also in Axios and a couple of other places pointing to reports from Glassdoor and also the Society for Human Resource Management. Both of them put out different reports from surveys they did on queer folks in the workplace. And so a couple of interesting takeaways from these things. Uh, 45% of employed LGBTQ plus Americans feel that being out at work could hurt their careers. And that number has only dropped two percentage points over the past four years. So despite the mm. administration change, a lot of people want to link you know, the administration to many, many things, yeah. but that has not changed. Um, and then in the other report from the Society for Human Resource Management says a quarter of LGBTQ plus workers said they do not feel they are treated fairly at work and two in five have not disclosed their identity at work of that group. 20% say they believe doing so would prevent them from being promoted. Um, mm. So... The numbers are important. I bring all of this up to say that, you know, it kind of ties back to what we've been talking about with sort of the rainbow washing and corporations mm -hmm. struggling to sort of figure out what to do uh, in terms of the conservative backlash. And nevertheless, even the companies that do say that they have inclusive workplaces, there are still a lot of folks out there who don't feel welcome at work. And so be yeah. nice. That's what I got to say. Be yeah. nice. Be nice. I'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we're done with the news on this Friday. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back for a little round of Half Full, Half Empty. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Half full, half empty is the game. Drew Jostad is in charge. Drew, begin. Are you half full or half empty on tipping robots? Oh, so this is an interview I did uh, this week at some point, I forgot, with a, a woman at Lehigh who studies American attitudes toward tipping. And the question was, in our increasingly automated world where there's like self-service kiosks for sandwiches at airports or beer at stadiums, do you tip? It was really interesting. Hmm. Uh, I do. And I'll just I'll go half full because, you know, there's a human involved somewhere. The, the one caveat, the one catch, of course, is you don't know exactly where the money's going. That's the catch. Right. I'm going to go half empty. And I had reason to think about this because they asked me about this when I was doing uh, the BBC a couple weeks ago. Because, um, you know, for those who don't know, Marketplace has a partnership with the BBC and they have the show Business Matters. And sometimes we all go on there. 
Anyway, they were asking me about, you know, how the backlash against tipping in the United States. And one of the things that I found myself explaining, because international audience, was that we have two tiers of wages in the United States, minimum wage and tipped minimum wage. And one of the reasons that Americans are such, air quote, generous tippers is because in the back of our minds is this idea that people getting tips are making exceedingly low wages and need those tips to compensate. Now, in some of these jobs now where people are asking for tips, they are not making the tipped minimum wage. They are making minimum wage. Is minimum wage enough? No, but I'm not carry. Once I actually give it some thought, I'm not trying to help somebody make up the difference between making two or four dollars an hour and minimum wage. This is on top of whatever wages they're getting, and therefore, you know, you're kind of subsidizing their employer, not paying them a livable wage. So. That doesn't, you know, mean that people should not be tipped if they don't make below living wages. But I'm just saying that I feel a little bit less obligated sometimes. If mm-hmm. that's fair, it's an it's a dynamic where I know that someone is actually making a mm-hmm. re- minimum wage at least. So mm-hmm. layered on top of that, it being a robot, I'm gonna go half empty. Yeah, that's fair. That is a thoughtful and considered response. Makes total sense. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. All right, Drew, what's next? Oh, oh my God. Dogs. Mm. Okay. Apple is expected to debut like a virtual reality goggles next week. Are you half full or half empty on them stepping into the metaverse? I don't I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't know what they think it's for. And I think also that the technology is still, even if it's Apple and we all love their machines and they're pretty and they're interactive or interoperable and it's seamless and blah, 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 Steve Jobs is a genius, but what's it for? And also, people still aren't going to wear stuff on their face. They're just not. Mm -hmm. That's what I got. Empty. All the way. Half full, actually. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is well, as someone who are hasn't you, you, touched her uh, Oculus in probably about eight months at this point. Um, but one thing I did recognize through my – I actually went into the Facebook uh, or Meta's Metaverse mm-hmm. Horizons space, absolutely useless. Um, and I played the games and they made my mother and I – gave us motion sickness. I did use one of the workout games, which I really liked, but I'm lazy and I don't like to exercise. And so that's why I haven't touched it in eight months. But one thing I do think it is useful and will continue to be useful for is education and immersive experiences. So especially now that there's a lot more remote learning for kids of all ages and adults and uh, training modules that need a little bit more depth to them and um, uh, and the changing way that we entertain ourselves. I think that there is going mm-hmm. to be a big appeal for immersive movies, immersive video games, and immersive educational experiences. And if Apple has the tech to streamline that and make it not motion sickness inducing 
or to scale it to where homeschooled kids or college students or med students who are trying to figure out like how to dig into like people's bodies and stuff can actually get a meaningful experience from it. I do think there's a future for it. Workplace? No, not really. Um, sort of everyday hanging out for social media structures? No. But um, yeah, that's I'm, I'm half full. So, I think Apple so might be are, able to pull it off. Are, are you thinking much like the App Store, right? They invented the iPhone and then the App Store came. You're thinking they build this headset and the app store for the headset will come? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the demand is kind of already there. Robert in the chat um, was just saying, we have several versions at the library and yes to this being a key thing in education. But the problem is funding schools so that schools can actually have access. And so Carol says they're trying to use VR for training and manufacturing. So it's happening whether we like it or not. Um Somebody else said VR games with AI NPCs, which is non-player characters, FYI, uh, are going to be amazing. That was a lot of letters. VR games with AI NPCs, FYI. <laughs> wow. yeah. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, Drew. Half full or half empty on learning to invest with computer games. I don't know anything about this. Uh Neither do I, but I can imagine that kids learn lots of other things with computer games, and so do adults. So, sure, half full. I'll take it. Sure, I'll go with that. Half full makes sense. So long as it's play money, let's have not let's not have kids using real money, please. Oh yeah, please. Just you know, just check. All right, uh, multifamily construction spending is up twenty five percent year over year in April. Are you half full or half empty on an apartment construction boom? Uh, that was Henry yeah, Up on Marketplace sure. today. Yep. Uh, well, that's exactly it, and that's why I'm half full. We need desperately need housing in this country. We need affordable housing more than anything. Um, but yeah, let's. I mean, we need more housing. Full stop. So half full. Yes. Yeah. Please. Half full if it's affordable. Yeah. Which I know it won't be because the economy, but you know I can yep. say it out loud anyway. All right. Yep. Are we down to our last topic? Full time. Poll time. All right, All right. Time. everybody in the YouTube chat, get ready to weigh in, and we will vamp while y'all think about it. Go, Drew. Are you half full or half empty on bars specifically designed for you to bring your dog? Wow. Wow. Uh, this is different than, like, your regular bars with outdoor seating? like specifically meant to be a dog bar dog bar well yeah there are cat bars right are there cat cafes in the united states that feels like i mean i've definitely heard of those things overseas but i didn't i've not heard of them very commonly here there i think there is a place in is there not a place in georgetown that's like a cat cafe sorry let's look while we wait for everybody to vote i was just gonna say Georgetown. To the duck that goes. Cafe. Crumbs and whiskers. Cat cafe. There you go. Crumbs and whiskers. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Our rescued cats can't wait to meet you. Come and visit and fall in love. There you go. go. Oh. There you go. That's so. The answer is yes. Um. So look, I uh, I'm a dog guy. Uh, are we? Are we? Is it time here? 
Do we have to vamp for? We yeah, got 153. Yeah. I mean, votes we have here. 153 votes. Yeah, go for it. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm a dog guy, but I don't think I want dogs in in my bar or restaurant or bar. It's a bar, right, Drew? It is a bar. Yeah. It is a bar. Yeah. I think I don't want dogs in my bar, so I'm going to say half empty. Uh, I feel like there are already enough dogs in bars, so I'm going to go half empty. <laughs> oh, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. What does the poll say? Who's what does the poll say? Because <clears throat> I still don't know how to do this. <laughs> Maybe uh, we're waiting. Leave Close the poll, I'm man. Learn how to do this. All right. Now the poll is closed. We've got half full, 68%, half empty, 31%. Oh, so. Wow. All right. Okay. All people, right. People get to do what they want. That's fine. Exactly. So exactly. be it. So is... be it. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Dog people. Here we go. Got it. We are done for the day and for the week, actually. I'm gone Monday, Tuesday. Yes. Amy and Kimberly are going to be here till then. Uh, keep the questions and the comments and the thoughts and, and whatever honestly is on your mind. Uh, coming to us, we're at 508 UB Smart. That's 508 UB S M A R T. Or you can get us at make me smart at marketplace.com. Dot com or dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Definitely dot org. org. <laughs> Definitely dot org. All right. And next Friday, a week from today, we, Kai and I, Kai and me, whatever, I never get it right, will be in Seattle for a special live edition of Make Me Smart. It's our first time doing this, so I'm pretty excited about it. We mm-hmm. hope to see a lot of you there if you're in, in the Seattle area, or if you can make it there, you know, we'll include a link to the event details on our show page, and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Live people are always fun. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music to Half Full, Half Empty and hosted the fun thing. Antonio Barreras is wrapping up his internship with us today. Big thank you to Antonio for all of your hard work and great ideas and just general positive attitude. We super enjoyed having him on the team and we wish you all the best. The pair behind our Friday game is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. Excellent timing, Kai. Trained audio professional. Cheers and happy Friday. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like... a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.